Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Wes Fox, thank you so much for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. I cannot thank you enough. I barely slept last night. I was so pumped up about this. Like I told you before, I'm not going to be able to meet you physically, but I'm so excited about what you're doing to help people protect themselves. I cannot thank you enough for being on our program. And as we talked about before we hit record, everybody has a story and our passion is to help them tell it. So with your permission, we're going to start with where you were born go all the way up to today, and then we can talk about currently what you're doing to help people protect themselves and save their own lives, and then also anything that you're working on for the future. Is that cool? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, th thanks for having me on, Mike. I appreciate it. Super excited, buddy. I mean, I'm not joking. I got like three hours sleep last night. You can tell. Love right? it. Yeah. Love it. yeah. <laughs> so tell us where you were born. Sure. I, I was born in, in Reno, Lake Tahoe area. Okay. So Reno, Nevada. Yeah. That's a group there in the, in the Sierra Sierra Nevada mountains and uh, you know, lot, lots of area to shoot, lots yeah. of great skiing up there. And yeah, that, that's my hometown. I don't know if it gets prettier than that place. It's it's, it's just it's pretty, especially Lake Tahoe. It's it's yeah, if you like the mountains and skiing and right. I mean, come on. So let me ask you a question. Did you grow up in Reno? I did. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What was your favorite thing about growing up in Reno? I think just the, you know, the outdoor experience. I mean, again, mountains are beautiful. Great, yeah. great skiing. Uh, so much great desert and BLM property out there. So we're able to shoot quite a bit growing up, you know, on the property. So was hunting, hunting shooting your favorite thing growing up? Yeah, I, you know, did did some hunting, but yeah, a lot of lot of shooting, you know, as as I grew up and you know, a lot of martial arts, you know, and that was those were kind of the two drivers for me from from almost day one. What got you into martial arts? I, I think I was just captivated by it. I just kind of just had a, a just a natural inclination for it, for self-defense, for for the art portion of it, you know, and kind of the discipline, spirituality. Uh, Bruce Lee was a, a pretty big inspiration for me, which I, I know he was for, for a lot of people, of course, right? So How just, just an amazing do that, guy. Right? Yeah. Just I mean, so, you know, the things that guy did with his body sure. just boggle my mind. Yeah, just kind of taking things to a whole different level. And yeah. he was, he really was one of the first people out there to really kind of have that level of discipline. And to push him, you know, to push himself to incredible new limits. Uh, not, not to mention that he is kind of considered the godfather of mixed martial arts because yeah. he's one of the first to kind of take take what was good in something and to be able to use it under real pressure situations. And if it didn't work, he would kick it out. So he combined, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Wing Chun. You know, obviously he created Jeet Kune Do out of that, and was able to combine wrestling and some of the Filipino martial arts and Western boxing and, and jujitsu and kind of combine those together. So that was kind of the precursor to what later became mixed martial arts. That guy was just magic. You know, he was just awesome. Okay. So Bruce Lee was an inspiration. That's cool. Absolutely. Did you go to high school. Uh, where did I go to high school? I'm sorry. Yeah. 
yeah, in Reed, Reed High School. Okay. Sparks Nevada. Reno and Sparks are kind of just, uh, you know, sister cities next to each other there. Gotcha. So did you have a favorite subject in high school? Um, you know, um, I guess if I had to say it was, uh, you know, the reserve officer training corps where we able, we had an indoor range yeah. at, uh, I actually had, went to two different high schools, McQueen and Reed. And at McQueen, we had an indoor range and a, and, and uh, corpse program there. So that was probably my favorite part is being able to shoot rifles at, at, at high school. Uh, in, other in, than that, indoors. I wasn't a big fan of the normal, uh, you know, the more normal stuff, just getting through it. Yeah. Indoors. indoors. Let's shoot some guns indoors. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, How we had cool is that when you're a kid? I it mean, was pretty cool. I was, I, was, I, was, I was impressed to see it at that time. <laughs> okay. So you leave high school. Where do you go? Uh, I Initially, I kind of went into the resort development business, kind of coming out of high school and uh, continued in the martial arts path. And, you know, I'm an instructor in a number of different arts and styles, but uh, yeah, it started in the resort development business, worked in that industry uh, for a number of years, had my own company and was able to sell that company. Uh, my partner and I, when I was 29, and uh, I was kind of retired at that point temporarily. Mm-hmm. But during that time, I, I, I continued to kind of improve on my, uh, you know, combatives skills. And I was actually teaching uh, combatives at that time as well. And then really kind of made a shift into uh, the security business. And so it became a security expert. I built a very large security company, had about 80 different, you know, 80 guys on my team. And wow. we did executive protection. We did armed security. We did transports. We did all the different areas of, of security and was able to did. I did that for a long time. And so okay. I've got a lot of executive protection experience. Uh, trained as a private uh, military contractor overseas. So did a little bit of work there. Uh, did some executive protection or it's, it's mostly known as close protection outside of the United States. Yeah. Did a lot of work. Um, in Mexico and in some other, some other countries, and a lot of work here. And then uh, kind of uh, during that process there in, in executive protection, a lot of times, Mike, nothing happens. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where it's a deterrent. You have a team, you have a detail, maybe with a, you know, with a, you know, affluent, you know, kind of high risk target. Yeah. And so there's a lot of planning, a, a lot of, of things that you do that, that make it, difficult for somebody to, you know, to, to potentially be a threat. Like I said, it's a good, it's good deterrent, but oftentimes nothing ever happens. You yeah. know, and, uh, I did have a few situations where things happened out, out of the country. And from that experience being the first time having rounds coming my way, mm-hmm. you know, you really learn that the training that you're doing static, what I mean by static is I'm doing re- the way that everybody else trains, mm-hmm. you know, almost everybody. Yeah. It's static training. You're not moving. There's a piece of paper or a piece of steel down range. Maybe it's fixed, in an even range. Yeah. Fixed just, target. Yeah. Fixed target. Yeah. No pressure, no threat whatsoever. I mean, you're effectively just punching a hole in a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, Nobody's running, ducking, making, ducking for cover. None of that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, no movement, no de escalating the situation. It's just completely unrealistic. Yeah. I mean, it'd be tantamount to me saying, Hey, Mike, do you want to be a UFC fighter? And you go, heck yeah, man, that, that sounds great. Yeah. I, I show you a video of Conor McGregor fighting and you, and maybe even you're, you're practicing the techniques and kind of trying to follow along what Conor's doing. And then I say, okay, that's your training, Mike. You got it. You saw what he did, right? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to put you in the UFC this weekend. Yeah. What do you think's going to happen, Mike? Yeah. Punch the bag. Right. And you're qualified. That's it. Dude, I was a, I was a sparring partner for a PKA kickboxer. Oh, is that right? Okay. Which yeah. meant I got my tuchus 
just mm-hmm. kicked, royally Absolutely. kicked a couple times a week, mm-hmm. you know, and I would show up places like my regular job and that kind of thing. And I'm bruised and battered and stitched up and all this kind of stuff. Right. And people were trying to figure out who's abusing me. Right. Turned out it was the dude in produce who was a kickboxer, you know, on the side. Right. Sure, but he yeah. was produce, you know, working produce. I was checking groceries for him and he mm-hmm. was half my size. Yeah. He was half my size and he could kick me in the face, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Right. I mean, talk about talk about unbelievable things people do with their body. You know, if I did something like that, I'd have a Charlie horse that last for 20 years. I mean, come on. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, just it just it just boggled my mind. The one thing I did do though was I learned how to defend myself. I got better at keeping him off, right? And a few years later, I was I had a, a buddy that was that had just gotten his his uh, black belt in Taekwondo and he wanted to spar because I was bigger than him and I was, you know, all this stuff, right? So we get in the ring and we're sparring, and there's a, a fourth degree black belt who was his instructor that's literally refereeing the thing, right? So we're sparring and he's he's shouting out orders and he's like, time out, time out. And he brings me over and he goes, listen, when he comes in, you need to back him off. I showed you a kick to his thigh. I showed you a kick that will back him off. Now use the flip and kick, right? Man up, like, okay, now that's all you needed to do. Question my manhood, okay? We go back in, I hit him one time, he comes in, I hit him one time in the thigh, split yep. his thigh, hit that nerve that goes all the way down to your to your heel, mm-hmm. right? And he turned into a whining little baby. Nice. Yeah. He whined for six months. I'm not six joking. Months. That's a long time. That's I long ran time. into his wife and she's like, you took my black belt and turned him into a whiner, man. You know, right? So, but it was one of those things where it was like, I hit him, it was lucky. It wasn't skill, Okay. But that whole thing about man up, right, mm-hmm. made me mad. And I think that's a little bit of a dangerous thing to do. By the way, you know those punching dummies that look like a guy? Yeah, the Bob dummies, yeah. Yeah, do you know what the stuffing looks like on the inside of them? Uh, isn't it empty inside? I... No, it's not empty. It's not, okay. It's actually three different colors. It's blue, white, and and um, well, actually four. We're gray, black, blue, and white. Okay. You know, I know that. How do you know that? Because you've uh, split one down the middle. One, yeah, there you go. He was he was jawing at me about man up and all this other crap. And when am I going to get really serious? Right. Right. See ya. Yeah, there you go. One thing you probably don't want to do with me. You know what I mean? Anyway, (laughs) right? Yeah, Yeah, this kind of shows you that you know you can't really you can't do something you haven't trained to do. Yeah. So if you haven't, you know, so without the sparring that you did, which is helping you with take it more to reality based level. And your timing and being hit and being able to hit all those things, believe it or not, take practice. And I know that you, you understand that and you have to train to do that. So when you take the, well, you know, when the you get, it's training, like, it, what did, what did um, Mike Tyson say? Everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. That's right. Right. percent right. True. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, just, true. It, cha- it changes everything. So you're, it, you're not prepared. And, and I always thought that was, you know, that really became a, a, a critical turning point for me, Mike. Yeah. having that experience and going, wow, I don't even know if I saw my front sight. I don't, I don't think I was that accurate with those shots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it was a jarring moment and I had had some very good training up until that point. So here, here's, here's, here's why yeah. you, you, again, you can't do something you haven't trained to do. So if you haven't right. trained at a very high level of reality where you're feeling that, that fight or flight, 
You're having to make split second decisions. There's not a lot of time to go and try to find information, bring it back. Your and there's rounds coming at you, right? They're whizzing by your head. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. When you're being shot at, it's a whole different story, right? And then that's kind of this level that force on force training yeah. and the highest level of the training that we do in this particular situation. It was it was a real situation, and it really woke me up to say, man, there's there has to be a better way to train. Yeah. And you know, I kind of compare that to the martial arts, and and I know you'll appreciate that because you have you have that background. You know, before the UFC, there was a lot of martial arts that trained, and a lot of forms, and you know, all the different arts that trained but they didn't train realistically. So you right. do the technique, you have the compliant, you know, the compliant uh, a partner. And I, and I did some of those traditional martial arts. I did, I did Kempo, I did Aikido. I did all those growing up before I got into jujitsu and MMA and Muay Thai. And, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if you don't practice and then you see the, you see these people fight or spar and it looks like kickboxing. It's yeah. like, well, look at all those techniques yeah. that you were just doing because you can't do them under pressure if you haven't trained to do them under pressure. And yeah. sometimes those techniques don't work, you know? And well, so they're, they're, on a, they're, on pressure, a they're on a mat with a circle drawn like a right. wrestling mat. Yeah. Right. And there's people judging them and they're in a gi. When was the last time that, when was the last time somebody waited until you were in a gi to, to pick a fight with you on the street? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, come on. It. Be honest. Although, right. Although clothes, clothes can yeah. be used to show people out. Too. How much of that, how much of that close protection did you do? With a gi on. Come on. If you'd have shown up for that, they'd have laughed you out of the room. Absolutely. Okay. So it's, just, so, just, it's a critical thing to say, man, you know, why does everybody train this way? Whether yeah. they're civilian, law enforcement, military, and I'm not talking about special operations or special yeah. forces, uh, but the almost everybody in the world trains very static, almost no movement, no threat recognition, no pressure, you know, no having to de-escalate, no having to defend yourself. Because right. you're more likely to have to defend yourself. So even if you're in a life and death situation and you have a gun on you, doesn't mean you're going to get to it or get to it initially, even if it makes sense. Right. Your life's in, you know, imminent and immediate danger and you need to draw that weapon. You're yeah. more likely to even just have to defend yourself, you know, period, without even drawing a weapon. With your hands, yeah. Absolutely. So I've combined all of those together. So we're the first real kind of reality-based, you know, training program for civilians that combines firearms, that combines you know, uh, self-defense, mindset, breathing, and we combine it together to to create what we call dynamic thinking survivors. Yeah. So people that are able to defend themselves, uh, that are able to communicate, because even that takes training and practice, you know, to be able to have good distance management, to yeah. be able to, to quickly assess if there's a threat or not and what to do in that situation. Yeah. In real world environments, carjackings, home invasions, robberies, you know, uh, you know, uh, somebody approaches your vehicle in a parking lot, uh, protecting family members. It's really everything. So yeah. at that point, you know, I realized, man, I, I really have to create, well, not only for myself, but for others, a program that is more reality based. It's actually going to prepare people for real situations. When you've got, you know, you know, when you've got law enforcement that the average hit rate Okay, when their life's in imminent danger and they should draw their weapon and they should fire their weapon because of the lack of reality-based training and sometimes the funding to be able to give them enough training, uh, you know, it's it's 36% at, yeah. at pretty close range. Yeah. So it just tells you that under pressure, it's different hitting a piece of paper under no pressure than it is trying to hit a real live moving subject, yeah. real, real threat that is moving 
Okay. You're not even going to be looking at your front sight. You're going to be looking at the threat that, that's approaching you, you know? Yeah. So it's a different type of training. And so from that point on, I really started focusing on developing that, that program. And it, and it took a number of years to really develop that. And I did, I had some tremendous training, worked with former SEALs, former MARSOC, uh, worked with, um, this is obviously way before Ukraine, worked with uh, Alpha Group um, uh, Spetsnaz guys over in Serbia, uh, worked with, you know, some of the top world champion uh, shooters in the world, the competition shooters that have really the highest level of shooting, not tactics, but actual proficiency, proficiency and speed shooting. Yeah. And so I was able to kind of really take the best training, combine that with all the martial arts training uh, that, that I've had in, in, in reality-based systems. I've, I've done jujitsu and MMA and Muay Thai and uh, 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 rapid assault tactics, which used to be the SEAL Team 6 uh, fighting system, uh, an integrated uh, combat system. So kind of able to kind of, you know, it's real close quarter fighting. Yeah. You know, it's, it's no frills. It doesn't take 10 years to learn. We teach the same curriculum to anybody that we teach because it's not based on, it's not based on strength, right? right. And it's, they're easy move. You can't remember 80 moves. You know, yeah. you've, you've got to have moves that are so ingrained in you, you can use them without even thinking to defend yourself and so that's all part of our training program that's cool man that's cool so do you mind if i share a story with you sure absolutely it's about your story not mine but my son got his black belt in taekwondo mm -hmm. and he was 16 i think when he took his black belt test and he's you know six foot four wears a size 14 men's shoe i mean this kid's got long legs he can reach boy. up and just kiss you on the side of your head with that size 14 foot you know right, right. so he's all padded up he's got his gi on and he's got to fight multiple combatants, right? Mm -hmm. This is this is part of that testing process, right? And he's in a number of different different deals, right? <clears throat> so it's sort of halftime, and they tell him to go get some water. He'll time out, go go get some water. He comes over, and we're all sitting there watching. I was so flipping pumped up. I'm like, Michael, Michael, tap me in, tap me in. It's like, Dad, Dad, they're <laughs> not going to let you in there. Okay, you're embarrassing me. Calm down. I'm like, come on, man. My veins are popping out of my forehead. Because, you know, you spend your entire life protecting these children, mm -hmm. right? And now you're watching people beat on your kid, right. right? And I'm like, I was about to explode, man. I was just like, bring it, baby. Let's go, you know? Protective instinct kicked in for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, the coolest thing about my kid is he he taught children. Mm -hmm. He taught them Taekwondo. And it just was, it was one of the coolest things that I ever saw, you know? And one of the things that, you know, even today, we've seen the videos of people, there was a gal in, in Los Angeles the other day that they tried to steal her French, they carjacked her, her French bulldog was in the car. She mm -hmm. rode on the hood for like a mile down the street in downtown Los Angeles, okay. grabbed onto the hood and didn't let go, right? And they ended up swerving and she fell off and all that. Um, and she could have been killed, right? Sure. But those are the types of things that if she'd have had some sort of, she'll probably end up in some program like yours mm -hmm. now trying to figure out how she can defend herself in the future. You know, it's the time to do this is not, it's not after you have experienced right. something like that. It's before, because potentially she could have stopped that or could have retarded it or could have stalled them and mm -hmm. gotten away, you know, with her French bulldog. Right. So, you know, it's just, it's I, what you do is so unbelievably important that I'm so glad that you're doing it. So you said that you're a franchise. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So we had such a, we had such an amazing response to, to this program. 
So I, I really built it. We opened up our brick and mortar location about five years ago. We had been doing a lot of range training and, and different programs. So we work with law enforcement, you know, and other agencies and groups, you know, as well. Um, but we we had such a great response to this. I wanted to grow it. Yeah. And so this became a real passion project for me, Mike. And yeah. I ended up selling my security company to, to focus on this, you know, full time. Uh, and, you know, it, it's it's rewarding. You know yeah. what I mean? We're helping empower people, empower people, give them confidence. You know, it really we've had, a, a you know, a ton of amazing success stories of people surviving attacks or law enforcement uh, in shootouts, being able to survive and using our tactics or, you know, attempted assaults or carjackings, you know, you name it. And so I wanted to expand it. And um, uh, I was able to partner uh, with a gentleman who had a vast experience in franchising to the UFC gyms, Mayweather Boxing, uh, XBT, a ton of ton of different brands. And they were kind of membership based, which matched yeah. what we're doing. And we were able to put together a program and really kind of a dream team for, for franchising. That's and cool. so we have rolled out our franchise program. We we started it uh, kind of mid last year. Okay. Uh, we have uh, locations that are that are opening now. Uh, we will probably we have eight franchises right now. Uh, we will probably be somewhere around another 30 awarded this year, 30, 35 that will be awarded this year. And so we're looking to grow to at least a couple hundred uh, locations nationwide. We have demand everywhere when we, when we run ads to introduce people to the training and invite them to come down and, and check it out. We get people from all over the country, even though we're not targeting there because they, people share it with people asking, Hey, when are you coming to Tampa? When are you coming to Austin? When are you coming to Denver? When are you coming to Salt Lake city? And so the demand is, is, is just off the charts. It was, it was really well received before COVID and we were doing tremendously well. Mm -hmm. And then after COVID, even in 2020, kind of in the height of COVID, we grew 76% and we were even closed down for a month trying to assess COVID and, you know, how, how real or how dangerous this really was. And it's because people, it kind of woke the benefit of COVID. It kind of woke people up, mm -hmm. kind of woke people up. All the people that thought, oh, I don't need a gun. Nothing's ever going to happen. The police are going to show up, you know, in, in a millisecond somehow and save me. You know, they were just kind of detached from reality. COVID helped wake them up to say, you know what, you got to be, the police are great and we love law enforcement, but they can't instantly appear there and they can't instantly appear everywhere that there's a potential crime. And with the current, in, you know, environment of, of, of the criminals and, and what's happening, it's just rampant right now. It's just yeah. growing more and more. They're more um, brazen, you know, because there's less ramifications uh, to to crimes that are committed, as you know, crime is on the rise. I mean, we're in Orange County, a couple of the cities here, you know, where our headquarters is, a couple of the cities here are historically, you know, two of the safest cities in America in every list that you see for 25 years. I, I mean, I think there's been nine or 10 murders in seven or eight weeks here. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, and, and you know, you don't hear about those things, but but it's there. And so yeah. crime, it's, it's everywhere. There's no double guarded, coded to casa, you know, guard gates, doesn't matter. It's, it's happening everywhere. Yeah. And so, you know, it's really important uh, that, that people are aware of it. And so that's kind of what happened is that we just had this huge influx of people going, I never had a gun before. I never wanted a gun before. I, I voted for all the crazy California anti-gun laws. But now I want a gun and I want training. I realize I have to be my own protector to some degree. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's true. I mean, I don't know how many people have listened to these 911 calls where, you know, somebody's in their house and they're hiding in their bedroom. Right. 
they did one the other day with some guy that was that was ex-special forces and he had a gun and he was in his closet his bedroom closet and he was on the phone with 911 and it was forever before they got there yeah. right and by the time they got there he had already killed a guy and another guy was coming up the stairs mm -hmm. they killed the guy the other guy bugged out and and ran away right by the time the the cops showed up the guy he shot was dead and the other guy was long gone Right. It's just I mean, the reality of it. You know, I mean, well, we, here's the thing. He'd be dead right now if right. he hadn't if he hadn't been armed and hadn't been sitting in his closet. That, that's correct. You with me. So yeah. they they couldn't get to them in time. And, you know, the police will tell you, oh, just call the police, just call the police. But if you really talk to the police, like if you talk, if you get to know some of these guys, they won't tell you out loud in front of people what they'll tell you privately. And what they'll tell you privately is you are responsible for your own security, period, mm -hmm. period. All that's going to happen with them is they're going to show up as soon as they can show up and they're going to be back up. That's basically what it, they're going to come mop up. That's what it's basically amounts to. Right. And so the better people can learn how to defend themselves and the better equipped they are, the be the more safe they're going to be. And, you know, it's not just being at home. It's, out in your car, there's carjackings happening. There's all kinds of things going on right. that you need to be aware of what's going on around you. You need to be aware of your environment. And if something does happen and somebody sneaks up out of the bushes, you need to be able to respond to that. You need to be able to figure out what you're going to do first, second, third, fourth, right? Mm -hmm. In order to in order to neutralize whoever that is and give yourself an opportunity to get away without bullet holes, right? Or without you know, without a major amount of harm to yourself. Um, you know, it's what you guys do is just remarkable. And I love the fact that it's it's live situational type training. It's not stand there, and, like you said, stand there statically and shoot a, a paper target. Yeah, you have to learn how to operate a gun. You have to learn how to aim. You have to learn how to how to hit a target, okay? That part I get, that's basic. What you do is life application for safety. It's life application security. And what you're doing is absolutely invaluable. It doesn't surprise me in the least that you have a bunch of, of franchise or potential franchisees showing up and wanting to buy franchises. So if somebody wants, if somebody is listening to this and they're interested in what it is that you're doing and they should be, um, and they wanna open a business, can they, if they go to your, to your website there, they can find. They yeah, can there's, there's, there's a franchise, franchise tab where they can put in information to request information about the franchise. Okay. And, and, you know, it's really, that process is really, you know, discovering if it's a fit for both sides. Yeah. So it's a process where we really kind of educate that potential franchisee, yeah. see if it's a fit, make sure they understand the model. Um, the, we're, we're in the process of submitting our item 19 right now, which will allow us legally to kind of share the financial metrics, right. but, but it, we're in the process of that right now. But I can yeah. tell you that the metrics that we have are incredibly competitive, if not better than most models out there by far. Yeah. Uh, it's a higher top line revenue, you know, unbelievable profit margin. So it really is a great business as well as we're actually doing something good that serves the community, serves civilians, serves law enforcement, serves, you know, individual military, you know, et cetera. And so it, it's a rewarding, it's a rewarding thing. If you can make really good money 
okay, and actually do something that, that has an impact that's going to make your community safer, that's going to make, uh, you know, it's going to have a reduction in crime, it's going to better prepare people and really kind of empower people, like I said, to be dynamic thinking survivors. I mean, that's just a huge, it's a huge bonus. So here's so a question for you. So one of the things that we know, and we're, and we're also, by the way, part of the reason we have this podcast is we want to get some of these things out there. One of the things that we know from, from experience, and you know this, is the way that you master a subject is to teach it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So are you, are you teaching these franchisees so that those franchisees can then teach their customers? Absolutely. Absolutely. So this, this is unique, you know, so we use a combination of shooting simulators that put you in real high pressure scenarios. Uh, we do force on force. We do live scenarios. We do self-defense. We do other kinds of classes and workshops, you know, and so it's the combination of, of that training that gets the student at a really high level, but we're also the only, the only curriculum, like an actual ongoing curriculum in the world that I'm aware of. Yeah. If you go to, if you go to uh, your son's uh, Taekwondo school, yeah, there's a white belt, it's a black belt program, mm -hmm. and there's a set curriculum, and you're learning this over a number of years. Some people are going to get there faster. Some people are going to take breaks and come back to it and finish later on. But that's how that's how the martial arts community works. But when it comes to the firearms community, okay, it is literally you're taking a class. You're either shooting on your own, which is mo most people do, go with a buddy, go with a friend, you know. Maybe they take an hour class or a two hour class or a half day class or a two day class, but, and that's great. And I commend anybody for getting training and in, in, in gun safety handling. But at the end of the day, you know, most of that 99% is incredibly static. Yeah. So it's not really realistic of preparing you. Furthermore, if you go take a, a, a class for a day on a Saturday, well, come Monday morning, you can't use any of that in a real life situation. It's not ingrained in you. There is no neural pathways built or what people call muscle memory and myelination of the nerves. Right. So you really can't use it. Under pressure, you're not even going to be able to recall what you learned. Right. And you're and every day you're 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 forgetting most of what you most of what you learned. If you could recall it even under zero pressure, right. you're going to forget almost everything and you can't use it. So to be good at something, you need frequent training so small amounts of training frequently that's what we do and we have a whole program of eight different levels they're team levels and it literally starts with white team and ends with black elite team so it's eight different levels over a number of years to progress uh and we're talking about taking people up to very high level of even small unit tactics and and a very advanced you know firearms training self-defense training not everybody wants to go that far and that's totally fine they yeah. might just want to get their concealed carry permit learn how to protect themselves their family what do i do if there's a home invasion what if i do that there's a you know kind of a carjacking, carjacking. Situation? Yeah, right how do i that. defend my family you know so those are the things that that we impart that's so unique to what we do and and like i said some of that's even done in live scenarios safely and and it's a crawl walk run we're going to start somebody at the very basics and gun handling and, and range safety and then we're going to build them up to being able to be more proficient, being able to shoot under pressure, think under pressure, de-escalate, communicate, you know, take cover, escape, defend themselves. And so it's progressive and it's for everyone. If for all, you for know, all. I, what you're doing is brilliant. And I, and I could not be more excited about the value that you're bringing. The thing that, the thing that I think people need to need to grasp and need to understand is this is an emotional thing. Okay. 
So like that first time that you took live rounds coming at you, right? When you finished, I'll bet you were shaking. I'll bet you had adrenaline flowing. I'll bet there was all kinds of things that you had to rethink in terms of, did I take cover the right way? Was I really protecting myself? Was I really doing right? So do you, after you, after you put people, after people do these types of real life situations and they're coming off of that adrenaline high afterwards, are you debriefing them and asking them, you know, how do you feel? You know, did you make, did you, did, did you make this decision correct? Did you make, what do you think about this decision? Is this something you could have done better? That kind of thing? Or is that something you're doing? Yeah, we absolutely debrief all the scenarios. So we debrief with the student after every scenario. Because it's that a helps. That helps, yes. right? Yeah, Repetition is the mother of skill, but it's the emotional part of it that's going to help them ingrain it, right? You know this. When you're emotional, you remember things. You recall things, right? It's like Tony yep. Robbins talks about. Repetition is the mother of skill, yep. right? So you know, the more you repeat it and the more you ingrain it, like you're talking about muscle memory, the whole thing, the more you do it and the more you do it at a high pitched emotion. That's right. And then you come back from it and you analyze it. That helps people to perfect what it is that they're doing and get better. You know, that uh, it no, helps. No through. Yeah. So there's, there's two, there's two ways to become proficient in life and death situations, put yourself in real life and death situations. And if you're lucky enough to survive a few, you start to kind of get acclimated to it a little bit. Hopefully right. you're smart enough to kind of break down what you did right, what you did wrong. Yeah. Not everybody has that ability, but that's really putting yourself in a very, you know, very, very vulnerable situations where you could end up getting killed. Right. That doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. Or you prepare at the highest level of reality-based training so that when you're in a real situation, you can actually navigate it, you know, in a way that, that makes sense because yeah. you've been close to that same feeling and yeah right. we absolutely debrief after all the scenarios uh and, and look at okay what was the communication what what was the threat recognition was there any de-escalation and how did that go what was the shot placement if they did have to draw mm -hmm. and what was the whole decision decision making behind drawing the weapon if they had to okay and them articulating why they needed to do so from a from a legal standpoint yeah and did you did you protect yourself properly right, right? Did you take the right kind of cover? Could you have could you have covered better from here? Mm -hmm. Is this the best? I, you know, right? I mean, there's a million different things that you can go over. Right. And I believe in the power of questions, obviously, right? You know, what did you do right? What did you do wrong? What could you have done better? Mm -hmm. Right? Because what it does is it makes them start to think in terms of, okay, you know, I should have been here. Okay, next time this is what I should do. Okay, this is you know what I mean. It's like it's it's self analysis, but it's also it's also something that's engaging for them, and it it helps to get them developed to a point to where you know when the you know when the real thing happens or you know it's it's not going to be rote. It's not going to be perfect. Nothing ever is, but they just have a better chance of surviving it, right? And a better chance of not getting killed in the process, and a better chance of you know, of, of, of taking the best care of their family they possibly can. Because like my thing is, and when my kids were growing, my kids are now 23 and 25, right? But my my best friends were like, you know that, you know that sign that says, screw the dog, beware of the of the of the owner. Yeah. It's got a it's got a photo of the guy with the gun, right? Yeah. They're like, you should change that to I'm prepared to die if you come in here. Are you? 
<laughs> that, that might be a deterrent for some, for sure. I'm yeah. just a little intense when it comes to my children. You know what I mean? It's like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I'll I'll willingly die to defend them and to protect them. You know what I mean? It's like so. You know, that's and and it's not necessary to put your life on the line necessarily, especially if you learn what you're teaching. Mm -hmm. Right. You can learn how to how to protect them and protect them in a way to where you come out unscathed. You come out, you know, in one piece kind of thing. So uh, the only way to do it is is, to, is, it. is to have the realistic training yeah. Put them under pressure. And you're right. We, we, we say pain retains. Right. Yeah. So if you put somebody, whether it's kind of that emotional stress those stressors, or if it's force on force, which is more advanced training, not everybody wants to do it, where it's a rubber projectile, okay? Yeah. That doesn't feel amazing. It yeah. definitely lets you know you're being shot at, right? Mm -hmm. So those things do retain, and you retain the information better when you're emotionally charged, you know, like that. But without putting people in those kind of high-pressure situations, you can't be in a high-pressure situation without having practice being in high-pressure situations. Absolutely. That, that's really the, the bottom line. Yeah, it really is. We and you kind know, of build they, that up over time. Yeah, absolutely. So here's a question for you. So so let's say somebody goes out and they and they and they they come and they see you, they mm -hmm. meet with you, you guys decide that you're a fit, they just you know, you decide they're a fit, that kind of thing, right? Because not everybody's going to be. Sure. That's that's the honest answer, right? It's not you're not gonna you're not gonna just sell a franchise to anybody. You're gonna be careful about who you sell a franchise to because as a franchisor, you need to be. Okay, mm -hmm. you need to be. So you sell a franchise to somebody, you get them all trained, you get them all set up. When they open that franchise, and let's say it's in Tampa, just to use an example. Um, if they open a franchise in Tampa, are you then helping them to hook up with local police departments and and local places where where people can come and get training that that need it? Like, are you guys hooked up with the military at all? Not, not specifically for training contracts. I mean, we do have law enforcement training contracts okay. and, and that can be good, you know, but that takes time to develop. So yeah. talk about a franchisee in Tampa it would take them time to develop those contracts, yeah. but the, just the individuals, the civilians, and, and some of those people might be law enforcement individuals, might be military individuals, but that's kind of the easiest kind of low hanging fruit. That's yeah. everybody wants to train, yeah. you know, um, one of the last, law enforcement contracts that I got took a year and a half to put together, for example, oh, it, sure. just takes, it takes time. Right. Yeah. So we're training yet. Yeah, so there's no lack of people in every community that want to train, but they don't know what this is. So there's a little education because we're the first to ever do anything like that. Right. And so we, we do a complimentary training. Uh, sometimes we do a certificate. That's a training package. Mm -hmm. And so we're bringing people in so that they can see what it is. And then we can decide collectively if it's something that that benefits them and that they want to be, you know, part of. Um, and, um, but there's just a tremendous interest, yeah. you know, in it. And so we help the franchisee with all the training. There's, there's a tremendous amount of support. And I think that's one of the benefits of being a franchisee yeah. with a good franchise award. Like I said, we put together kind of a dream team of, of people that have been in this space for a long time. So we have an online university. We have in-person training in our facility. We have training on site at their facility. There's ongoing training every week. There's the manuals. There's the videos. We've got everything that we've created to have ongoing support and kind of quality control for, for the training to help that franchisee. So yeah. ultimately, what we need is somebody that has a, a passion for what we do, believes in this wants to do some great stuff in their community, wants to bring this, you know, to as many people as possible. 
and hopefully has a background in running a business or managing people or has a really solid general manager they're going to bring in because somebody needs to be able to run the day-to-day -day operations of, of a business. Yeah. And it's really a couple different departments. It's not super complicated. It's kind of our member services, kind of customer service. We have our enrollment coaches that sign up new members and we have our trainers. So yeah. it's not, not super complicated, but it's a, it's a very comprehensive upfront training program and ongoing training program. So do you have accounting systems in place? Do you have, so did you, it sounds like you have a team that'll go wherever the location is and train the people there. Will they help to, if somebody, let's say a franchisee is buying a franchise and let's use Tampa just because we've been wearing sure. it out. Um, you know, Tampa is a location. They, they buy a franchise, they open up, they're getting ready to open up in Tampa. Do you have a team that goes in and potentially will interview a, a general manager for, or general manager applicants? like to help hire, help the franchisee hire that kind of thing? Yeah, we what um, what we do is, is we help with that process. Uh, we're not allowed to directly hire. There's- uh, No, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that. I'm saying bring them in, interview them, help to advise the franchisee on who kind of the best candidate might we be. Give them, we give them guidelines for, you know, the types of candidates that they should do, scripts, ads, interview process. So all of that's covered. Uh, like you said, I think you'd mentioned accounting. We have preferred vendors for certain things that they can okay. use. They're not necessarily required to use, you know, yeah. those those vendors. They may have their own their own accounting person per se. But so all parts of the business are are handled, or at least there's a preferred provider that has worked with us before. So for the the, the company doing the marketing, the online marketing forum, we've got a couple of preferred providers for that for accounting. So all the different services. Uh, so it's really turnkey you know, for them yeah. in a lot of ways, it's just learning, just learning the business, the day-to-day -day operations, what each role is, you know, in learning the, you know, the curriculum over time to be able to get to those higher levels. Yeah, it has to be. And the reason I say that is typically if you're going to sell a franchise to somebody, they're already in another business, right? They're successful in another business and they're buying this as an asset, right? More like an investor yeah, than they are anything else. And so, you know, they, they pro they're probably not going to be their own general manager. And the more you can make this plug and play, the mm -hmm. better it's going to be in terms of an experience for the franchisee and the better it's going to be an experience for you. Because the more you can plug this, plug these people in, you can help control the outcome. You with me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if, so if your people who you trained, who you trust are interviewing those general managers with that franchise franchisee, then all of a sudden your standard is being is being transferred, right? You're you're having a say in okay, this is who we would recommend that you hire, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, it's part it's part of the the process for us approving somebody. We have to know who's going to run the day to day, yeah. you know, or what candidate type of candidate's yeah. going to run the day to day. So yeah, that's your typical franchisee is going to need somebody to run for them. Yeah, and we're we're getting a mix. Some of the franchisees are going to be the full time. Like yeah. this is this is so compelling of an offer. Uh, and a business model that we have people that are in successful businesses right now that are leaving those industries to do this because they they want to do this instead. Yeah, and well, so it's going to be very hands on. Dude, it's important. Business. It's important, and I and it's more it's more valuable. I feel like and more vital than it's ever been. I mean, we've never been at more peril in terms of our safety than we are today. Now that doesn't mean that things won't get better in the future. But right now, things are pretty, pretty rough out there, yeah. you know, and people need to be on their toes and they need to know what to do if, 
they need to protect their family or they need to protect themselves. I mean, it's, you know, this is super, super important what you're doing. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's 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 always been needed. So even before kind of all the craziness, we were doing great and it was 100% needed. This just just opened it up to almost everybody's a candidate now. Yeah, I got you know, you. we're having a hard time finding people that aren't interested as to be customers at this yeah. point. When That's we bring people down to the facility, you know, a, a very high percentage of those people are moving forward as members. And the ones that tend not to move forward, it's because they live out of the area and this is too far. They want us, they want to have a closer location, you know, doing that, that drive a couple of times a week is going to be too much for them. Yeah. Or they have, they don't have the, the finances to be able to afford any type of membership package, which we have a wide variety of different price points and membership access, yeah. um, or they have no time. So yeah. we, we very rarely get somebody who they're just not interested. That almost never happens. Yeah. Everybody walks in the door pretty much wants to sign up. It's well, just, a whole bunch of these people, for, yeah, a whole bunch of these people are walking in the door. Let's be honest. They're probably former victims, right? Or they know somebody close to them that has been, and they're trying to take control of something that they were not in control of before. And it's something that keeps them up at night. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's definitely a segment for sure. It's also, you know, the people that are just now realizing that they need to be their own protector yeah. uh, to a degree, at least. And they want to get their concealed carry permit. They want, or they, they, they want to get a gun and get training. I mean, I probably have 300 something students right now, which is a fraction of the total students we have, but uh, that don't even have a gun because yeah. they never had a gun, never wanted a gun. And what they want to do is get a little bit of training first to even understand you know, what they should even be doing and, and get a little bit of training before they even buy their first gun, which, which I commend. Yeah. So that I think that's great. So we're getting, everybody's coming in at this point yeah. and interested. Uh, but we also get the people that just want to get their concealed carry permit or they just really like it, what we're doing. They want to improve their, their, their self-defense and shooting skills. Maybe it's vocational. They want to go into the military. They're in security. Um, you know, they're, they're a school resource officer, they're law enforcement. So a combination of, of different, um, you know, needs, yeah. you know, and, and motivators that they have. That's cool, buddy. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough, Wes, for being with us and being our guest on the Mike Litton experience. This has been a fast hour, buddy. This has been a really fast hour. I'm going to put a link to your website in your description. And like I said, if you have anything else that you're doing in the future, we'd love to have you back. Okay. Love it. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being here, buddy. You bet. Take care. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.